Welcome back, Heming Brainiacs, to the podcast talking about James Shirley. Impossible to fathom, but death comes for us all. Seems like uh, old James Shirley was someone who was preoccupied with the uh, consideration of his own demise. Um, but before we talk about that, we're still talking about exactly what we're going to do here to get over our poetry fatigue. Um, I do remember the irony is not lost on me that we delved into this poetry to relieve our uh, novel fatigue. We were, we were getting over reading novels. We get halfway through one poetry book and now we want to go back to novels. Um, funny. I find that funny. Swim has an idea. We, are, we have thus far read 88 poet entries. There are 48 more poet entries to get through until we reach Alexander Pope, the halfway mark. Based on our current reading pace and criteria, the fact that some poet entries will take more than a day and a quick skim through a, and calculation of days, uh, it will take about 90 days to get to the halfway point. Okay. Um, some poet entries are for poets with one entry, some have multiple pages. Yeah, you know what? Um, Swim is also suggesting here uh, these poets could be grouped into one day if there's you know multiple short poets to counterbalance the poet entries that take longer than one day. I think what I should do to counterbalance that is try on my part to power through the bigger days, you know. Um, like, for example, that poet, uh, that we broke up, uh, I should think, I should be able to think of his name because it was only a couple of days ago, but we broke it up into five. That was partly because I was away on vacation and I know I broke that up into far too many pieces. That should have been done in two or three days, not five or six. I think it actually was in the end. Um, but I just, I just think on my part, on the days where there's bigger chunks, I'll try to power through those on those days, uh, and still keep the single days as single days. Um, and yeah, we should get it done in about 90 days. 90 days, by the way, is about what will bring us to term for the due date of my son who's coming in uh, late October. So <laughs> I'm going to have a newborn baby before the end of this year. Maybe even before the end of this half of this book. I Maybe it's wishful thinking, but I, I plan to, to keep daily podcasting with the newborn. Um, you know, you guys might have to hear the occasional, uh, you know, baby in the background. <laughs> But uh, I'll do my best to continue, you know. Maybe that's wishful thinking. Maybe I'm being crazy, but that's my plan. Uh, but I do have to consider that with also the planning of like, you know, those. I, I don't want to be reading really long chapters during, especially during the early days of a newborn. That's just not going to work. All right. Anywho, let's talk about James Shirley. Swim has come across again with the, uh, or Francis, as I now know to be your real name, uh, has come across with some uh, 
info on James Shirley, an English poet and dramatist, one of the leading playwrights in the decade before the closing of the theatres by Parliament in 1642. I didn't even knew the theatres were closed by Parliament. That's interesting. I feel like that's probably a huge piece of history. Shirley was the most prolific and highly regarded dramatist during the reign of King Charles I, writing 31 plays, three masks, and three moral allegories. He's best remembered for his comedies of fashionable London life, including The Witty Fairy One, 1628, Hyde Park, 1632, and The Lady of Pleasure, 1635, which depict a legend courtly society at love and play and look forward to the achievements of restoration comedy. Death the Leveller is a powerful poem which reminds us that death is a force that haunts all human beings. It's also treated as a funeral song. It says that death is the great leveller. The high and the low, the mighty and the meek, the rich and the poor are all equal before death. I've certainly heard that phrase, death being the great leveller, and I, I don't know if it comes from this poem or if this poem is borrowing it from some you know other source, religious probably. It's a very common idea, but Shirley gives depth and vividness to this common truth. Human glory will not last long. All success and victory are mere shadows, not substantial things. When death catches hold of someone with icy hands, the rich and the poor, the powerful and the weak. Wow. Beautiful. Well, let's, uh, let's continue and see if today's poet, who is Thomas Carew, might be maybe less grim. <laughs> There's a few poems here by Thomas. Uh, looks like we've got about five or six. Born 1595, died 1690, uh, sorry, 1639, both of those dates with question marks. So, you know, taken with a grain of salt. First poem's called Song. Ask me no more where Jove bestows when June is past the fading rose, for in your beauties orient deep these flowers, as in their causes, sleep. Ask me no more whither to, to stray the golden atoms of the day, for in pure love heaven did prepare these powders to enrich your hair. Ask me no more whither doth haste the nightingale when May is past, for in your sweet dividing throat she winters and keeps warm her note. Ask me no more where those stars light that downwards fall in dead of night, for in your eyes they sit and there fixed become as in their sphere. Ask me no more if east or west the phoenix builds her spicy nest, for unto you at last she flies and in your fragrant bosom dies. Persuasions to, to joy a song if the quick spirits in your eye now languish and anon must die, if every sweet and every grace must fly from that forsaken face, then, Celia, let us reap our joys, ere time such goodly fruit destroys. Or, if that golden fleece must grow, for ever, ever free from aged snow, if those bright suns must know no shade, nor your fresh beauties ever fade, then fear not, Celia, to bestow what still being gathered still must grow. Thus either time his sickle brings in vain, or else in vain his wings. To his inconstant mistress, when thou, poor excommunicate, from all the joys of love shalt see, 
the full reward and glorious fate which my strong faith shall purchase me then curse thine own kin inconstancy a fairer hand than thine shall cure that heart which thy false oaths did wound and to my soul a soul more pure than thine shall be love's hand be bound and both with equal glory crowned then shalt thou weep entreat complain to love as I did once to thee, when all thy tears shall be as vain as mine were then, for thou shalt be damned for thy false apostasy. The Unfading Beauty He that loves a rosy cheek or a coral lip admires, or from star-like eyes doth seek fuel to maintain his fires, as old time must these decay, so his flames must waste away. But, a smooth and steadfast mind, gentle thoughts and calm desires, hearts with equal love combined, kindle never-dying fires. Where these are not, I despise lovely cheeks or lips or eyes. Ingrateful beauty threatened. No, Celia, since thou art so proud, t'was I that gave thy thy renown. Thou hast in the forgotten crowd of common beauties lived unknown. Had not my verse extolled thy name, and with it imped thy wings of fame, that killing power is none of thine, I gave it to thy voice and eyes, thy sweets, thy graces, all are mine, thou art my star, shinest in my skies, then dart not from thy borrowed sphere, lighting on him that fixed thee there. Tempt me with such affrights no more, lest what I made I uncreate, that fools thy mystic form adore, I know thee in thy mortal state. Wise poets that wrapped truth in tales, knew her themselves through all her veils. Epitaph On the Lady of Mary Villiers The Lady Mary Villiers lies under this stone with weeping eyes. The parents that first gave her birth and their sad friends laid her in earth. In any of them, reader, were known unto thee, shed a tear, or if thyself possess a gem as dear to thee as this to them, though a stranger to this place, bewail in theirs thine own hard case, for thou perhaps at thy return mayst find a, thy darling in an urn. And its last way is called Another. This little vault, this narrow room of love and beauty, is the tomb, the dawning beam that began to clear our clouded skies like darkened here, forever set to us by death, sent to inflame the world beneath. Twas but a bud, yet did contain more sweetness than shall spring again, a budding star that might have grown into a sun when it had blown these hopeful beauty did create new life in love's declining state but now his empire ends and we from fire and wounding darts are free his brand his bow let no man fear the flames the arrows all lie here Alrighty, that's our uh, poetry for today thank you for listening i'll see you tomorrow